everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Well, the great disturbance in the force. Hello, I'm Mr. Ray. Come on, Mark, like a dog for me. Where's the goodies? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I bet you wouldn't have done anything like this if Mom and Dad were here. You filthy criminal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Go ahead. Make my day. Here are your hosts, Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Oh, a napkin. <laughs> Turn it over. To Sheldon, live long and prosper, Leonard Nimoy. He came into the restaurant, sorry the napkin's dirty, he wiped his mouth with it. <laughs> I possess the DNA of Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> Do you realize what this means? <laughs> All I need is a healthy ovum, and I can grow my own Leonard Nimoy. Hey, all I'm giving you is the napkin, Sheldon. There you go. This is Douglas Viviani from Everything Old is New Again, and that's a clip from the Big Bang Theory TV show, which is now entering its 12th successful season. Uh, The stars of which are undeniably nerds, or are they geeks? Uh, This week, Everything Old is New Again has the pleasure of broadcasting live from... The Long Island Geek Convention in the Hyatt Regency in Hophog, New York. Uh, it's a growing convention that uh, boasts celebrities such as Bruce Boxenleitner from Babylon 5, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, Tron, uh, Paul McGann and Fraser Hines and Wendy Padbury from the Doctor Who fame and many more. As we see through the years, being a geek or a nerd has gone from a person of ridicule to that of being admired and starring in a number one comedy in television for the last 12 seasons, The Big Bang Theory. It leads us to the question, is it finally good to be a geek? And we're here, Sands, our co-host, the usual co-host of David Cohen. He's uh, with another commitment today. But fear not, we have not one, not two, but three guests today to fill his shoes. And uh, let's uh, take a look at them. We've heard them and seen them before at other conventions and other times on the show. Fellow conventioners through the years. We've been to the Eternal Convention together, the Long Island Doctor Who Convention, Twilight Zone Convention, many Star Trek conventions. Uh, we'll say one, two, and three right in the order. Uh, Kevin Vincent, uh, say hello uh, on the air. Let us know what your voice sounds like. Hello. Hello, hello. Michael Wiener's here. Hi, everybody. And, of course, the ever-famous uh, Dr. Richard Richter. Hello, live long and prosper. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Now, I would like uh, to take a look at and see the entertainment presentation of the nerd versus the geek, or we'll just put them in in one category for today anyway, uh, and say that the name of the nerd back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, if someone was, was called a geek or a nerd, that was a little derogatory. Let's, before we get started, let's listen to one clip here of four presentations of geekdom in uh, our popular culture. See, I'm going to not tell you what they are. See if anyone can, uh, at the end of this clip, tell me which of uh, the four they can name and or who can name all four. Let's start from this. What's your name? I want you. It's Eugene. You're a great picture. Oh, thank you. I think that chick over there is staring at me. Which chick? Where? Over there. Hey, she is staring at you. You better go over and talk to her. Thanks, Baz. I was watching you. Looked like you had a chance there for a second. Thank you. You know, I'm getting input here that I'm reading is relatively hostile. I mean, it's just... Go to hell. Very hostile. Can I do that? Can I do that? 
Frankly, I'm not too wild about this next event, but it has become a tradition here at Adams. The belching contest from the Lambda Moo team, Dudley Dawson. Booger. Oh, that's pleasant. Uh, who can name all, well, actually five of those. Panel, who can name any of those? First one, do you remember? That was Greece. Uh, Greece, that was Eugene, uh, is that right? Uh, anybody's second one? Wow, nothing. I stopped you on Spaz from Meatballs. Third one. One of them sounded like it was from uh, Weird Science. 16 Candles, close. Okay. Wow, this is I, some... At least I was the same decade. This is some panel. How about the last one? Can you do that? Can, did I do that? Revenge of the Nerds. All right, well, before that was Urkel, of course. Uh, boy, this is some geek panel. Geeks that know and nothing about geeks. That works in our favor. So let's talk about that. You see, I think you see the progression of geekdom from uh, Eugene and Greece and even meatballs to 16 candles, then to the Revenge of the Nerds, where geekdom or a nerd had been uh, not necessarily revered, but quite the opposite, was the bulk of the jokes on most of these movies. Uh, anybody remember these movies, see the progression, agree or disagree that nerds have started to come, uh, I would say at the turn of the Revenge of the Nerds, has started to turn the corner. Kevin? Uh, it definitely started out to be a, a negative connotation. They were they were always the butt of the joke, um, and they rarely got really any 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 revenge until Revenge of the Nerds. Right, and and along those lines, is there a difference that we have seen? Uh, it doesn't matter this word nerd versus geek. Anybody have any input on on the difference between the two and or definition of those? Kevin, uh, Michael. Well, nerds typically are more socially inept than geeks. Uh, if you look at the definition, and of course, I'm a nerd or geek because I looked it up before we came today. Um, but I think going forward, they've almost morphed into the same thing. Okay, and, and they, but they were the person with the pocket protector. They were the person that was not athletic. They were the person that had some interest in some, some portion of, uh, whether it be popular culture or science, or something that, that was off the beaten path, no? And it, yeah, it was a, a social awkwardness. But it's, a, but it's a social awkwardness with technical proficiency. So you're not just um, you know, a weird guy. You're a smart guy or a smart girl or woman, uh, and also socially inept. And, and we saw that with Revenge of the Nerds, right, where they came back and sequel after sequel and uh, saved the day, and, be, and the character became somewhat heroic. Am I wrong? Uh, and, and even, you know, Booger, if you will, became heroic, and you see him at conventions now, and people are always asking uh, for him to present some quotes and why he felt that that uh, character was of, of significance. And believe it or not, uh, that had some significance uh, uh, to the whole discussion, did it not? Dr. Richter, you have, you're very thoughtful. You know, Doug, to me, nerds, geeks, they, they have become synonymous. Um, I've got nothing yet. Now, let me nothing. ask you a question. Do you watch The Big Bang Theory of the last 12 years? Absolutely, one of my favorite shows. And do you see that as, as a step, another step forward in, what would you say, not uh, uh, putting down people of, of different likes and interests? Yeah, I'd say they present the, the nerds on that show with more dignity than they were in the past. Right. And, and along those lines, uh, have you seen that in your own life? Like, you've gone to many conventions. 
You ha are a dentist on Long Island, have two offices. You have pictures. And Michael Wiener, Dr. Wiener is an ophthalmologist. Same thing, I think. Both of you have pictures in your offices from conventions with autographs and things of people you've met. No? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, and so yes. how, what reaction does that present? What does that give you? Do you what, when people sit in the chair and see a signature from, from uh, Leonard Nimoy, let's say, does it have any response, any resonance whatsoever? Well, for me, it's a, it's a real conversation starter. And I think people think that if I like Star Trek, then I'm probably a pretty smart guy. And therefore, yeah, you're going to do the right thing for them, right? Dr. Richter, what are you getting? Well, you know, Doug, those uh, photographs are in my personal office. <laughs> <laughs> However, um, believe it or not, many patients have commented on the radio shows that, um, that we've done together and the conventions and... They all know I'm a, a bit of a, a nerd. So we've done the, the shows with, you know, Star Trek versus, uh, versus what? Star Wars. We've done convention shows about what conventions are and what to do at a convention and what not to do. And, and we've taped from conventions. So you're saying people have heard the show, uh, I guess, on the computer and, uh, and had comments. So they're not, not making an appointment to see you because you're a nerd. No, no. In fact, I think they want to make an appointment with me because I'm a nerd, right? Who are you going to trust? Somebody who's more intellectually bound and nerdy, you know, with your health care or, you know, the opposite. Should we make right? this a big commercial? I, I where, what do you guys think? <laughs> and uh, we're, we're live here at the Long Island Geek Convention 2018. Uh, we're having a, a, a great time, and you should have come on down. They're going to have a Long Island Geek Convention 2019 in Hop Hog at the Hyatt Regency. So, uh, you know, there's a, a good opportunity here to come down and express yourself and not feel uh, some disdain, if you will. And I think that's important in this world because we see it happening everywhere where there's judgments made about people uh, one way or the other about what people people are saying and doing, and I think it's nice to see uh, that you're able to just let go here and hopefully present that in, in your daily activities. Uh, and, and not you're listening to any Everything kind of, Old uh, is New Again, that America's that Entertainment Pop Culture well said, Talk Douglas. Show. All right, yes. with Douglas go Viviani on that and well David Cohen. And come on it's back and take a look at who's the first nerd. Is it Don Knotts? I don't know. Emmy Award winner Don Knotts I have been called brave. Now let me clarify this. As you see, I'm a lion with girls, a tiger with men, and I'm just naturally at home in a haunted house. So what's brave? How should I know? I'm chicken. Ah, uh, there's a reference from all the way back to the 1960s, 1966, uh, the ghost and Mr. Chicken, Don Knotts. Does anybody remember Don Knotts? Yes or no? Maybe. Of course, two classics that we always grew up watching, Doug, were... Um the Shakiest Gun in the West and The Reluctant Astronaut, family favorites of ours. And, and uh, of course, Andy Griffith's show, right? Barney Fife, three Emmy Awards. Kevin? Now, now you're, you're before my time. I'm exactly. sorry. They're, they're the older uh, contingent over that side of the room. <laughs> now that I that think, was before my time. I uh, think you can clearly see that. I'm going to ignore that. You can clearly <laughs> see that with respect to um, the, uh, what would you say, the geekdom, nerddom, whatever it might be, that I think the genesis of that, we can look to Don Knotts. In that, he was uh, very uh, socially awkward, that's for sure. He had a, a difficult time relating uh, sometimes to people, and that led to the, uh, the comedy. 
I think the funny thing is that he always got the girl at the end, though. So that was nice to see. Maybe that was something to aspire to. Uh, Does it relate in any way? Have you seen any of these movies, Kevin, since you're the younger contingency? Well, I mean, when I I think of Don Knotts, again, being a little bit, you know, tiny bit younger, um, you know, I really think of uh, him and Three's Company um, as Mr. Furley, which, you know, it, it just it's kind of ironic because he was a geek in that. And he was awkward in that. And he didn't, you know, he always said the wrong thing. And uh, he was really the comic relief. So does anybody think that he he's doesn't define or come in within the definition of geek? Michael? No, he's really more a comic relief character than the nerd or the geek because he doesn't have the technical expertise that the definition of nerd and geek requires. Which is? You have to be good at some kind of science-related uh, Job, you were either into computers or math or so, or something to that respect. That is the uh, essential part of the geek and the nerd. Uh, you can't just be uh, funny. Interesting. And and do you think he was in any way, shape, or form scientific? Captain Astronaut. Control. Reading you loud and clear. Lift off smooth. Meet the fearless, brave, intrepid Don Knotts as the reluctant astronaut. Me, an astronaut? I can't even get up on the chair to get the marmalade. Hey! I'm floating! Get me down! There you go. There's your representation. See, I, I, actually, uh, I actually disagree with Michael. I, I don't believe that a, a geek or a nerd has to have technical uh, expertise um, you know, to, to be a geek. Um, I think that that's part of it and it can be part of it, but I don't think that they're uh, synonymous with each other. And what, if anything, makes Don Knotts uh, a geek? If he is, do you agree with this? If you well, it, it's the I, I do. It's the social awkwardness of it. Um, it's the you know he doesn't fit in. He doesn't dress like what other people dress like. He doesn't talk the way other people talk. Um, so he stands out, but in a not necessarily in a in an expected or good way. Yes, he was not the strong, heroic, brave type of character, and yet. He always seemed to win in the end. As all geeks and Greek and nerds do. <laughs> well, we'll find that out. Uh, let's just take a look. I, I want to take a look a little bit about his, his inability to communicate and then how he had that shtick where he all of a sudden became an expert in a field or another. So uh, let's listen to, to him on uh, a Reluctant Astronaut and then followed by Barney Fife himself. Uh, <clears throat> when I was... Asked to be guest speaker at this luncheon, I asked myself this. Who are you, Luther Hayes, to be a guest speaker at this luncheon? I'm afraid there won't be any time to educate you men in the proper use of firearms. Somebody could get hurt. You see, if you're not familiar with firearms, these babies can go off. Now... Of course it does. So, I mean, he, but he always had that shtick, right, where, where he uh, had some field that he felt that he was an expert in, but uh, certainly was not. So the, 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 I, think it, I think it works that we could say that the first nerd that uh, came upon the scene in American uh, pop culture may have been Don Knotts. Do you have any other suggestions? I know this is a tough one. Any other people before the 60s that are presented that were nerds? How about, how about um, Rebel Without a Cause? Anybody remember that? Uh, Paul Muni, the character, nothing. Okay, so we'll go, we'll go with, uh, with Don Knotts as the, as the reluctant king of the nerds, or would he be 
I guess, the grandfather of all nerddom. Would he have been at a convention of this nature today? Would he fit right in? I'm not sure he would have fit, he would have fit in. I mean, he's just the, uh, the starting point of a, uh, of a nerd progression. <laughs> okay. And where do the nerds stand today? Uh, we see a, a Long Island Geek convention year after year. They've had Doctor Who conventions. There are Star Trek conventions. There's uh, all number of conventions that are out there uh, that people are attending, enjoying, getting autographs, seeking photographs with uh, other uh, people that are dressed up, whether you know, it be cosplay, you've got people that, that are uh, here signing autographs and getting pictures from, from celebrities. Where does it fit in, of all this? I mean, what's happening? Why, why are we seeing this in the well, culture? Well, I mean, you, know, you, you see um, Comic-Con and how many you know, tens of thousands of people uh, come to that every year. And even the, you know, the smaller conventions, there's so many more of them uh, now these days, and there's no shortage of people to come. And I feel like this is, it really isn't, it's no, there's no end in sight. I mean, this is only gonna get bigger. Um, you know, to be a geek now is really just to be a good person uh, who expresses themselves a certain way. And, you know, we come to these events, as Douglas mentioned earlier, to, to not be judged in an environment where we all um, have um, different backgrounds, but we all have a similar love um, for you know for whatever uh, you know whatever we're here to see, whether it be you know Doctor Who or or you know Star Trek or or what have you. So it's uh, I believe this is just the beginning, and I, I think it, it's fitting in perfectly. Well, and now also you are uh, a person that's been to a number of conventions uh, on your own. You've been to conventions with uh, a young lady. You've been to conventions with, with, with us. Uh, so you've been to conventions before you met us. You've been to conventions after. So all of us have been to a number of them. And the, the, the driving factor is, or, or what is the driving factor for someone to go to a convention? Is it the autographs? Is it the photo ops? Is it the merchandise? Is it uh, going to hear uh, a radio show? Is it going to hear hear someone speak about a particular topic in different rooms? Or is it to go to see the star speak? Or is it just a combination of all that? Like, what's bringing people to these conventions? Well, I mean, I, I, I think it's the, and I mentioned this to you before, um, you know, on and off the air. Uh, it's really about the camaraderie and coming together, you know, people coming together, meeting people you might not have ever met before. And not just celebrities, you know, uh, other people that, that come. Um, I've seen a lot of friendships formed at conventions. So I think that's a, a really important part of it. You know, the other stuff is, you know, of course, they're here to see celebrities and get autographs and photo ops. But, um, you know, to, to relate um, is an important part of it. Doctor? Mm. I'm thinking that you're seeing a rise in, in geekdom, so to speak, because one of the key components that we all agreed on is socially awkward, right? And society today has become, in general, socially awkward. We don't speak on the phones together anymore. We text. We have Facebook and you know the, the, the different photo uh, programs. And, and these conventions are a place where everyone can come to be socially awkward together. And I think there's some kind of component in there. 
Uh, I also think that the socially awkward has played up uh, uh, pretty uh, big, and I think it's, it's to be downplayed in that. Uh, we are just here, and when you have a commonality with people, there's no awkwardness. You're able to just communicate. But maybe when you're in uh, high school or, and you're, you're in a class of 30 people, maybe only seven of them like the Doctor Who, you know, or five. Uh, so, so you're in the minority. You're awkward when you're talking to someone that has no commonality with you about that particular show. So it's not that you're an odd person. It's just simply that your interest is different than the majority, at least back in the day. I think we'll talk about how that's uh, changed uh, to these days. We see all the movies uh, that are out now. But um, so, so to me, it's, it's not that you're defective or something in any way. I don't want to present it that way. The, the idea is you simply uh, have different interests that are in the, what would you say, the, the minority, if you will, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, but we're also very technologically savvy. That's, that's where I'm driving at. Everybody is doing everything through the computer right. and, and online and phones, etc. And And so it, you're seeing uh, some face-to-face -face interaction, which is uh, something that's becoming somewhat, unfortunately, unique, is it not? I went to a college, my niece's exactly. college, this past weekend, Villanova and, and University of Scranton. They're both in on Friday and Saturday nights on the computer. Talking to their friends on the computer. Exactly, and that's and what I mean. Weird exactly. to me. I'm like, where's the cake party? What's going on? You guys, I mean, I know you, you know, but it, it, what's going on? There's no interaction with other people. Where are you meeting people? Well, it, it's rare because even when you, um, I, I went to a, a restaurant and I saw four people. Uh, they were younger people and they were together and none of them were talking or even looking at each other. They were all on their phones. And you know, that you, you do see that at conventions, but I, I think you see it a lot less. You see a lot more face-to-face, -face, as you mentioned, um, a lot more relating one-on-one, -on -one, and I, I think we need more of that. We've just had the passing of a gentleman that I think is the king of the geek or the king of the nerd. He was 95 years old. Stan Lee, who was the creator of quite a number of characters on, uh, you know, and in, in the comic uh, realm, of course, for Marvel Comics, and he did a little DC. So we'll come back and we're going to talk about and dive into who is Stan Lee, the king of the geeks, and, uh, and or the Babe Ruth, if you will, of geekdom. And if so, um, what legacy did he and is he leaving uh, when he's left us this, just this past, uh, uh, past little while ago? So we'll be back right on uh, here on Everything Old is New Again, going out with the Star Trek theme. Oh, the Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Now, back to America's Entertainment Pop Culture Talk Show. Everything old is new again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. They're the greatest stories ever told. Heroes show us we don't need to be perfect hey! to do what's right. It's not about living without fear, but facing injustice. It's not about being powerful but finding your calling when you least expect it. They show us it's okay to be vulnerable. No matter how tough you are. Because even though they're heroes, they're still human. 
Ah, there we go. We're back on everything old is new again here, talking all things geekdom, if you will, at the Long Island Geek Convention 2018 in the Hyatt Regency in Hapag. That was a little clip there from Defenders, the beginning of Defenders, uh, the Netflix show that Stan Lee presented himself with a quite a bit of a, a quote there, defining the hero. Now, Stan Lee is a hero of ours, of all uh, things and all people that follow, if you will, comic books and now major motion pictures surrounding these comic book characters. November 12th, 2018, at 95, he left us, left us with quite a legacy. Anyone have any uh, comments about what we just heard, which I think is a great uh, presentation of the thoughts of what he created in terms of comic books and all these comic book characters that Stan Lee stood behind and what they meant to him? Uh, Douglas, I was a huge Marvel Comics fan growing up, and he created a legacy. Well, his creations were during a time when Superman was all perfect, pretending to be flawed. Batman was, you know, Bruce Wayne perfection, and then, of course, the master detective. And Stanley had this vision, what if we create heroes with flaws, real, true flaws? And that was the start of his legacy. Yeah, and, and he presented that uh, pretty clearly and it was pretty obvious that it really hit uh, a nerve. Because when you saw those first characters, even Batman and, and, uh, and Superman, which were the first real superheroes, that they didn't, you, you, they had a little kryptonite, they had certain things, but they didn't focus on the humanity of that individual. They focused on the good things he did or she did for humanity, but not necessarily what was going on in the hero's life themselves. Kevin, make sense? Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. I mean, um, Stanley made, um, you know, of course, I mean, everybody knows, you know, Spider-Man is probably the most relatable um, you know, growing up, everybody, um, especially geeks, had that, um, you know, Peter Parker was the ultimate, you know, geek. And I, I know when I was a kid, I mean, I, I was wishing that I could, I was looking for a radioactive spider, um, you know, hoping against hope that, that that would happen to me. And, oh, wow, wouldn't, wouldn't that have been great? <laughs> right. But, you know, but you, you picked it up and you read it every week because, because of that. I mean, that was why I didn't necessarily like Spider-Man as a kid because of his, you know, of his superpowers. Um, I, I could relate. I mean, that, that, was, that was me. You know, that was absolutely 100% me. You know, glasses getting kicked in the face. Um, you know, nobody paying attention to me. Um, that was 100% me. And I Not much has changed, I guess, and, huh? You know, well, you know, give me, give me another 40 years and I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's important to acknowledge that he had created not just a few characters that you hear. He created 300. What's your name? Hello. It's Eugene. You're a great picture. That's a mistake. He, I'll edit that out. He created uh, 362 characters in total. 362. I have a whole list here of characters that he created that you may not know. Now, some of the. Let's look into that a little bit. We're all fans of the comic book genre. Are there some that stand out to you? I don't know why this is happening. Are there some that stand? Are you hitting this? <laughs> are there some that stand out to you that uh, that you'd like to talk about besides the obvious? To me, I'll talk about two: the Thing from the Fantastic Four and the Silver Surfer. 
both are on fringe. People kind of know who they are. But to me, they both lived a life where uh, they sacrificed their relationship with another person, the person they loved, for the benefit of that person. The thing felt that uh, Alicia was not going to be someone that could enjoy a physical relationship with him because he's made of rocks. So as such, he uh, broke up, if you will, with her and moved on for her benefit so she could find someone else. Silver Surfer went to save his planet. He was chosen by Galactus to save his planet and the person he loved on that planet. He had to leave her to become the herald of Galactus. I know this is really geek discussion, but I'm just trying to say without the specifics, these are two characters that to me were very noble in their choice of what they did for the people they love. Well, yeah, they're definitely noble. And, and I mean, I think of the, uh, the, the uh, Incredible Hulk um, being, you know, more of like a, a tragic um, character, somebody that, you know, probably, you know, didn't, didn't want to be, you know, obviously didn't want to be who he became. But there's a tragedy in there, and again, a humanity, which I think is rooted really in all of um, all of Stanley's characters. Right, and and, and and Dr. Richter, I think you have a, a favorite, obscure, if you will call it, because the obvious ones are, you know, we can discuss. But let's talk about some characters that he created that may it may not be so familiar with, but you enjoyed, and why? Yeah, uh, as I discussed with you, Doug, uh, Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic. He was huge for me growing up. I, was, I grew up in a, a, a big family. I had uh, five brothers and sisters, and um, he was like the ultimate father figure. He was, he was brave. He had these amazing powers, and yet he always managed to save the day, save the planet, save the universe using his intellect uh, above his powers and abilities. And then the other one, Dane Whitman, the, the Black Knight. And why the Black Knight? Well, the Black Knight was just very old school to me. You know that that nobility, the the code of um, of knights. You know the the round table type of attitude, and so uh, that kind of nobility I found very attractive in the um, in the hero. And, and Dr. Michael Weiner, do you have any? Uh, does this resonate? You did didn't seem to be a comic book uh, a big fan. I don't think were you? I wasn't. You know, in my geekdom, I had to choose what I wanted to geek out on, and that wasn't it. <laughs> and, but when you hear this discussion, does it, does it have any uh, resonance like, hey, maybe I should pick up one of these comic books at some point? Or is it, is it, are you too far gone at this point? I have a list of Netflix shows I have to, I have to binge watch. Comic books are not quite on the top of the list. <laughs> I bet you some of those Netflix shows, though, are based on comic books. Uh, that could be. All right, so there we go. Uh, let's uh, take a look at a little, like every movie that now was made on, based on Marvel Comics or based on Stan Lee's characters had a nice cameo from Stan Lee himself. So I just want to play a little montage of some of those and let's see where that brings us, a montage of some of the characters or cameos that Stan Lee presented. You know, I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said. Uh, invitation, sir. Um, I should be on that list. Name? Stanley. Yeah, uh, nice try, buddy. No, nice no, try. really. Peter Parker. I think I know that guy. He's not meant for mortal men. Neither was Omaha Beach, Blondie. Stop trying to scare us. Come on. Egg shell shield. Wow, nice suit. Zip it, Stanley. Hey, wait, where are you going? Hey, you were supposed to be my lift home. 
How will I get out of here? Hey, oh, gee, I've got so many more stories to tell. Oh, guys. Oh, gee. Well, the 60s were fun, but now I'm paying for it. There you go. So that's just real quickly from Spider-Man 3, Fantastic Four 2, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Avengers Age of Ultron, Deadpool 2, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's just a taste of it. Now, that to me shows the fun side uh, of Stan Lee. I know, Kevin, you met Stan Lee a little ways back. Uh, Want to tell us a little about your experience therein? Sure. I... I I met uh, Stan twice. Um, the first time was about uh, seven years ago now at a wizard convention in the, in the city. And um, the thing that I, I, I took away from that was um, there was actually a bunch of Walking Dead people there. And I walked up to pretty much every one of them. And, but Stan Lee, I had to wait an hour for. And it just shows you, you know, how much respect I think he, he, he earned. He earned every bit of it. But um, how much love that fans still have for him. Um, he was fantastic. He, he was constantly, uh, every, about every 10 minutes, he would, he would scream out Excelsior, and we'd all chant in with him. And um, when I met him, I, I brought up a, um, a, a picture of him that I had that he was in color, and some of the characters that he created were in black and white. And when I brought that up to him for him to sign, he questioned why I bought something that he's highlighted and the characters that he felt were the most important, why I didn't have those in color. And I told him, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy I got to tell him that you know, none of them you know, would be here without you, Stan. You know, you're the most important thing. And he was just extremely humble, a real guy, and anybody that I've, I've ever, I've never heard a bad thing about Stan Lee. There we go. Um, and, and I can uh, echo that with, I'll bring a story to, to light when we get back right after this. On Everything Old is New Again, we're going to go out with the Hulk theme from the 1960s. If you remember, this is where it all began. Now, back to America's Entertainment Pop Culture Talk Show. Everything Old is New Again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. I believe there's a hero in all of us that keeps us honest, gives us strength, makes us noble, and finally allows us to die with pride. Even though sometimes we have to be steady and and give up the thing we want the most, even our dreams. Spider-Man did that for Henry, and he wonders where he's gone. He needs him. And we all need a little hero here and there, and that certainly uh, uh, is the topic here of Everything Old is New Again, broadcasting live from the Geek Convention uh, on uh, Long Island at the Hyatt Regency in Hopog. That was a little quote there from Spider-Man 2, the Tobey Maguire version, if you will, of Spider-Man. Certainly one of the most famous characters from Stan Lee. Now, Stan Lee certainly died with uh, with pride and and was a hero to all of us, uh, geeks, nerds, and everyone in between. Uh, To me, a little story was uh, back in 1988. I was in California living there at the time, and there were conventions going on. But it wasn't like it is now. There was no uh, paying for autographs. There was no paying for photographs. 
it was none of that. It, no one really approached anyone that was on a panel. It was a little bit more stand, stands-off, if you will. And Stanley was there. It was a Star Trek convention. And there was a panel he was on, and I was with the young lady. And, and I was awestruck, and I was just looking at him and you know, waiting for the panel to begin. And she had none of that because she wasn't really involved in the geekdom that, that I was at the time. And, and so she said, oh, it's a guy you like. I'm, I'm going to go up and talk to him. And up she goes to the, to the panel right there. And I'm like, what, 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 are you, what are you doing? Right to the panel, talks to him, brings up a book I had brought that had uh, the first 10 of his uh, creations in a book, a hardcover, got an autograph. All of a sudden, he's getting, she's getting an autograph, and it says Excelsior on it, and he's posing for pictures with her, calls me up. You know, she said something, whatever, my boyfriend, this and that. She calls me up to the stage where he is before the panel begins, basically spent 10 minutes of his time. And I'm not saying this is the greatest thing in the world, but let's think about it. All the... All the Approachments that he has, all the people that, that came to him that wanted a piece of Stan Lee, especially at these conventions where he is clearly the Babe Ruth of, of all of what we're talking about here, at least with respect to the comic books, and he wants to spend time and drags me up to see him. So I just thought that was a little a, a, something that had some effect upon me. She must have been cute. She was all right. Yeah, she was okay. I don't know what I did with that. What was a mistake there? So, uh, listen, uh, let's take a look at the 362 characters. I want to see a little contest here. Michael, do you have that uh, phone? Can you do a 30-second uh, timer on that? I'd like for us to see who can read the most characters from Stan Lee in 30 seconds. And whoever wins that wins. <laughs> Dr. Richter, you want to start off? You have your reading glasses on? All right, I'm going to give you set, a, a random batch there. Go ahead. And, and Michael, can you uh, let us know when to start and stop? All right. Let's start. Spider-Man, Spider-Slayer, uh, uh, Gwen Stacy, uh, Franklin Storm. Wow. Strongman, Baron Strucker, Super Scroll, Supreme Intelligence. Uh, Surter, Swordsman, T'Chaka, Glenn Tablet, Thing, Flash Thompson, Thor, uh, Tinkerer, uh, Toad, Bolivar Trask. Time's up. Put your pencils down. All right. He's got 16, this guy. Michael, why don't you do yourself? Let's see. I mean, uh, time yourself here. Let's see what you got. Let's get beat 16. Come on. I'm going to pass this to Kevin. Ah, Kevin, go right ahead. Okay. Tell me when. Go. Dino Minnelli, Dino Minnelli, Van Gogh, Captain Marvel, Martha Connors, Marvel Boy, Marvel Boy, Masked Marauder, Mastermind, Alicia, Alicia Masters, Matador, Maximus, Aunt May, Medusa, Melter, Mentalo, Mephisto, Merlin, Metal Master, Midgard Serpent, Millie the Model, Mimic, Mindless Ones, Miracle Man, Mr. Fantastic, Mr. Fear, Mr. Hyde, Modoc. Um, Mole Man, Molecule Man, Molten Man, Monteroso, Montana, Baron Mordo, Mordred. Right. Time's up. Phasers down. Uh, 26. Clearly, clearly we have a winner. He had a much easier list. I'm just <laughs> saying it was fixed here. <laughs> All right. Well, it just in. gives you a, a feel for this that there are so many characters here that he created. You can't even remember uh, a number of these. So I, I want to just take a look at that. And, and what effect, if anything, did the creation of Stanley have upon you? Just to get the ball rolling for me, I, I, when I met him another time, I presented him an idea that I'm an attorney by profession. And, and 
when I, I remember distinctly at uh, nine years old being at dentist office, picking up my first uh, comic book right there, waiting for the dentist, and it was uh, an Iron Man. And I remember reading it and not even knowing really the meaning of all of the words in the comic book, but it inspired me. It's the first time I ever saw a comic book. So I went back home and, of course, asked uh, you know mom and dad to, to help out and... and uh, get a subscription and so forth. And as I began reading these comic books, Daredevil and, you know, Fantastic Four and Spider-Man, there were words as a nine-year-old that I didn't know what they were, nine and ten. And I would uh, ask what to do. I was told, you know, go to the dictionary, look them up, which I did. And I became a, a better reader, if this makes sense. It's a bizarre thing to say from reading comic books because they weren't just written for a child like they're a, an Archie comic book or something, if that makes sense. It had much more of, of an intellectual uh, value to it in that they didn't hold back on the language that they used when presenting these stories. So they raised my reading comprehension and vocabulary uh, up from where it was just by reading these comic books. So I don't know if that, if that is, is common, if that's something either of, uh, any of you have experienced, but that was my experience with it. And I'm certainly Stan Lee back in the day, this was in the 60s and the 70s, that was when he had the soapbox and he was, he was uh, head and shoulders uh, in control of everything that was being produced by Marvel Comics. Kevin, anything on that? Yeah, um, I mean, it, it, you know, I, I, still, I still read comics. So, you know, I, I admit it. Um, <laughs> I don't read them as much just because of, uh, you know, time. But, um, but w when I started reading comics, I mean, I 100% agree with you, Douglas. They're, they were not written for children. They were really written for, you know, young adults to, you know, regular adults. And they exposed me to a lot of issues that, you know, maybe I wasn't ready for. But if anything, it made me question them, go to my parents and, and ask them about them. And... I feel like the generation of people that read comics when they were younger are really good adults now. Um, I think they're just good people. Because of what? Some of the values that were presented, you're saying? Yeah, because of, because of the values presented, the way they're presented. You know, it's almost like they're teaching you lessons without you even knowing it. Um, just by reading it and right. you become I feel like you know, that's one thing that is missing in our in our society right now um, I feel like a lot of people the people of, of those the comic book dumb, you know in the 60s 70s, you know, even 80s um, were, are, are good people now. They're good adults Dr. Richter anything. I know you read comics. Yeah, like you crazy. Know, I agree with both of you a hundred percent I started reading comics when I was very young my father encouraged it because I would read stacks of them and it definitely improved my uh, reading abilities. And what you said, Kevin, I mean, these heroes, you just aspire to be like them. You know, uh, Captain America was just a huge hero for me also. I mean, you know, all the, the, the truth, justice, the ethics, you know, the nobility too. And, and you know, um, patriotism. Yeah, yeah, but uh, even, yes, absolutely. And beyond that, though, all these characters um, did shape my character. Okay. You're, you're right. Now, uh, along those lines, we've seen uh, the Big uh, Bang Theory is now ending at the 12 seasons. Scorpion, which I think uh, I could argue is a, was certainly a, a geek or nerd type of show where the nerds were the heroes. I think now 
we're going beyond that now. It, we've progressed to the point where we've had shows like this with the, with the geek or nerd is the star. I think now we're going one step beyond that the movies themselves now, forget the heroes in movies or television shows, the movies themselves are being made with the commonality or with the target being the geek or nerd in all of us. As you can see with the Marvel and DC uh, kingdoms, if you will, of of these these movies that are being presented, uh, that are making money galore, and only because lots of people now have admired or admiring what's happening on screen, acknowledging what was has been presented since the 60s in writing and on the comic books. You've got DC. I'm just going to let you get a little idea of what's coming out just in the next year and a half. Aquaman, Shazam. Wonder Woman 2, The Joker, Birds of Prey, which has got Harley Quinn in it, uh, Cyborg, Green Lantern Corps, uh, and the, F- the Flash and Justice League, all just in the next year and a half. Marvel's got Captain Marvel, Avengers 4, the Infinity War ending, Dark Phoenix, Spider-Man, another Spider-Man far from home. New Mutants is coming out, uh, uh, Gambit, Black Panther 2, Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Doctor Strange 2, and The Black Widow, just to mention a few. So, excuse me, to me... The nerd is now not just the hero, but the target audience for these huge blockbusters. And our favorite nerd himself, if you will, really, if you look at it, Peter Parker may also have been the first nerd in all of comics because certainly he was out of place. He had an interest in science and uh, was, was ostracized uh, in many ways when he was in high school and became, of course, Spider-Man and with great power uh, becomes great uh, responsibility. And the, the future is now, I would say, for, for nerds and, and for geeks. And, uh, and let's be sure that uh, everything old is new again leads the, the way in that regard. And, and Doug, I just want to say, I'm sure, you know, maybe Stan Lee didn't know, but when he created Spider-Man, he gave hope and power to a whole generation of people just like Peter Parker. I agree. And let's go out with a little quote from uh, Spider-Man. We'll be back next week on Everything Old is New Again to talk all things pop culture. Join us now and then. Whatever life holds in store for me, I will never forget these words. With great power comes great responsibility. This is my gift my curse. Who am I? I'm Spider-Man. Thank you.